Hi, welcome to the Back to Biz School podcast. I'm your host, Brian Tse. And before we begin the podcast, here are two messages from three student clubs. The NUS MBA Healthcare and Entrepreneurship Clubs are thrilled to invite you to an insightful panel discussion in collaboration and hosted by the Duke NUS Health Innovator Program. This event offers a unique opportunity to delve into the world of medical technology startups and the adaptation of traditional medical technology. Our distinguished panelists will share their valuable insights, experiences, and strategies in navigating the dynamic landscape of healthcare innovation. It's happening 15th February, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at MRB 0302. Please check your student email inbox to register. Get ready for a cultural feast at the CSC Club's Chinese New Year celebration on February 17th, 6 to 10 p.m. at the MRB Atrium. Join us in exploring the diverse traditions of China, Singapore, and Vietnam, featuring delectable Chinese and Vietnamese cuisine, yuisen, calligraphy, and a thrilling lucky draw. The event is open to all, with a participation fee of $15 for MBAs, $25 for non-MBAs, excluding alcohol, and free entry for kids aged 8 and below. Don't miss this opportunity to immerse yourself in the festivities and celebrate the Year of the Dragon. See you there. Now, let us continue with the second half of my interview with Abinaya Hari. She speaks about life at TikTok Creator Marketing Solutions as the APEC Program Lead, one of her proudest projects, and her advice for anyone starting in tech. Let's jump right in. Which brings us to where you are now. The envy of a lot of people, I would say, working for TikTok and not just TikTok, being the program lead, the APEC pro- program lead for Creator Marketing Solutions. Do tell us, like, obviously, I don't have to ask you why TikTok, but how do you get to TikTok? Again, this was a role that really intrigued me. When I saw the job description, I felt like it was perfectly made for me because I'm not a person who likes to do the same thing. I get bored. I like doing a lot of different things. And um, when I quit DBS and when I quit Coda, it was because I was kind of like doing the same thing and it was starting to get boring or I wanted to explore like more breadth first opportunities. So as a program lead, I saw that there was a bit of a uh, performance review part required where you're required to do business reviews. And so you speak to a lot of people and then diagnose what are the issues, what are what is going well, etc., and actually recommend next steps. So that was one part. The other part was actually being accountable for the goals that are set for the region and, and making sure that you work with the rest of the APAC team to actually deliver the goals. So, um, and apart from this, there was also a lot of data work that was required. I, I'd have to work with the data science team and the data engineering team to prioritize requests that would make sense for us and then also scale it up globally. So that was the JD that I saw and I immediately felt, wow, there's so much I can do here. I haven't done revenue planning or revenue ops earlier, so that was another lucrative opportunity for me to consider. So I applied for the mm-hmm. for the role and then after a couple of interviews and a couple of months, I, I got the role. And I thought a lot about taking the role. Uh, I spoke to some people because um, I have indeed Uh, read a lot about uh, qualms about people uh, understanding how the culture is at TikTok, etc. But then I was pretty 
confident that uh, the the learning that I was going to have will be worth every every effort that I put and it's been it's been a great learning journey so far yeah i'm sure because from what i hear as well tiktok obviously being a chinese company bike dance being a chinese company uh, a lot of people will be speaking to each other in mandarin so have you have you t- taken any mandarin like basic mandarin classes or uh, honestly that's not the case in singapore i would say people are really nice and uh, they talk to each other in english and are mindful if there are other non chinese speakers in the in the crowd um i would say um i mean i when i interviewed i definitely told them i'd be up to learning mandarin if required because i love learning languages i don't know a lot of languages and so it's it's a great opportunity for me to learn it but so far i haven't had the uh, the chance or the necessity to do it because i was still working for apac which is pretty diverse mm-hmm. in terms of language localization so Okay, okay. You I mean uh going back to what you say I I don't think you can say you speak very little languages, right? You obviously you speak uh I would say Hindi uh, not obviously but I'm assuming you you speak Hindi, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, or, or because that because uh, in India there's the Tamil there's a the Tamil side of in of, of India but your 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 the your the Hindi side. So you speak Hindi, you speak uh, English. I'm actually I I'm a Tamilian and I'm actually brought up in the south part of India. So my base is Chennai. uh and tamil is my mother tongue but then i studied hindi all my life i did not study tamil so um yeah so that's tamil, why i can right? speak yeah tamil because we have to it's like our mother tongue and we usually converse in tamil with our parents etc so yeah so also coming to singapore you can immediately just blend in with the singaporean indians who speak tamil right is there is there a difference i'm very curious sorry i just a bit off topic but is there a difference in like accents like the the there's a lot the, of the tamil in india oh really so there's a like, lot of difference in terms of the singaporeans that speak tamil versus the malaysians that speak tamil versus the sri lankans that speak tamil versus the wow. south indians that speak tamil so wow. Um, wow. i can't go Yeah, I can easily find out if they're from Malaysia or from Singapore. It's it's pretty easy to find out, but it does take some time to actually like understand the small differences. You need to talk to a lot of people and be there for a bit. But then now mm-hmm. it's it's super easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, actually come to think of it, right? Like as a Singaporean Chinese, I can definitely hear the difference if it's uh Malaysian or Chinese or China Chinese. Uh it's very, quite obvious the accent is pretty heavy in all countries. So, yeah, I, I guess I I can understand where you're coming from. Um but I'm saying on top of these languages, you actually speak uh Py- you actually speak Python as well, right? And I think C+ these are languages. These are not these I mean, I'm not trying to crack a joke, but like they say coding is like language is literally another language, right? It's just not really spoken, but what 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 uh coding languages do you speak? Um so I can eat, sleep, dance, do anything in Python. So that's my like it's it's my experience with python is a lot better than even the languages that i speak like tamil etc uh, i can i can literally do anything in python i have that confidence um apart from that as a part of my undergrad i learned c++ java perl um also c as a part of my school curriculum and i think there are a couple of other languages that i can't recall right now c sharp was one of them uh it's mm-hmm. a mix of java and c++ um mm-hmm. 
and then i think i learned a bit of javascript just to understand like how web works etc like how html javascript etc works css mm-hmm. um but i think scripting is a lot more easier and also r so between r and python i have a lot of friends that say they are very uh, fluent with r but they feel python is difficult but i always contradict them saying python is easy r is difficult so i think this is a <laughs> ongoing question in the community but right now uh, there are a lot other languages that are super popular and python is mm. i would say still there but it could be outdated very soon so i need to also see what other languages i should learn yeah i feel like you you started with yeah i only know a few and then the more you spoke the more languages just started coming if i let you speak for another 10 like 10 more minutes you can come up with a few more languages i'm sure but um i mean going back to python right i remember back in back in my day back in the old days where you know coding was you know starting to get pretty cool and everyone was trying to learn coding everyone say like python is the best language to start with cuz it's the, the the most easiest or the most intuitive or something like that right am i am i wrong or? that's very true that's very true the the commands that you write the syntax is actually like uh the the words that we talk so a print mm-hmm. is literally a print and then it has to be double quotes um in mm-hmm. c++ it used to be printf and then there had to be a couple of libraries that you had to include etc in python it's a bit more uh, straightforward in the sense if you download the anaconda distribution which actually gives you the the compiler that runs python and it's packaged into a nice uh, gui which is a graphical mm-hmm. user interface then it's easy for you because you don't have to call install the libraries by yourself most of the common ones come with the package and all you have to do is just import them and start coding away so it's pretty good mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. I I did I did do some quick courses in Java. I I quite like Java at the time. Um, I guess because it's your first language, right? It's like your first love. You can't forget your your, your first language. Speaking speaking of coding, um, so do you always want a career in tech? Like, was it something that ever since you were like you know twelve or whatever, you know, you told your parents, oh, I want to be in tech, or like I the. I mean the the first time I thought about what I wanted to be in life I decided I wanted to be a teacher and I was pretty strong with that in the sense I think when I was 16 or 17 I really wanted to do uh BSc MSc and PhD in mathematics and then go as a mathematics professor that was my goal but then um like typical indian households um <laughs> parents tell it's better to actually do engineering and then you can do whatever you want so i listened to my dad but then um i also decided i love so i i was a very technical person in a sense when we used to have computer lab in school when i was 15 or 16 i used to be the first person to get most of the codes done and i used to like literally shout in class saying hey i got this done it worked without any errors um and i I used to love doing patterns like we used to have these questions where you'll have a pyramid pattern that says 111121121221 etc and you had to actually mm-hmm. write the logic to actually print it in C++ with uh with a scalable um logic so I used to ace those and I loved logical and and writing codes to actually reproduce that so um I decided when I did my bachelor's I would do bioinformatics which had a bit of like biology associated as well as like computer science it was basically managing uh, biological information or biological data using computing systems 
So I got to learn both the the wet lab part of things and the coding part of things, and I decided to pivot to the coding world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was kind of. I would say from very young, but since you were a teenager, you kind of like that that logic that logic step and setting up that that uh that kind of coding process. That's pretty cool. If someone wanted to be where you are right now, what advice would you give them? A very tough question. I'll try to give my very <laughs> honest and straightforward answer. I think the number one mandate that I would say, if you want to be successful in your career or if you want to like chart out a path like I have in my career then I would say just be relentless um, people may put you down you may have doubts about what you're doing and uh, you might feel like you're traversing different paths in different times like for example the tech world and then now the business world etc but then I would say be relentless and go with your intuition nothing works better than your intuition and if you feel like you're good at something despite being better at something else then just go try it out don't be afraid to do it Mm-mm-mm-mm. don't don't be afraid to fail even right i'm sure i'm sure all of us have have experienced some some level of failure or, or, or strong difficulty in our careers before but that's what you say just be relentless just pick yourself up and and go at it again don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to learn. I learned this one in a very hard way. As in like when I pivoted to becoming a product manager, there was a lot of doubt. And my mentor in my previous company at Coda said, Abhi, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Nothing is going to happen if you make a mistake. The company is not going to lose out money. People understand if you make mistakes, especially if you haven't made one. And basically he just said, don't be so hard on yourself. Like be open to making mistakes and be open to learning out of them. But don't be too harsh on yourself just because you made a mistake. And I and I had a problem with that. And I think I've kind of like overcome that that phase. Mm-mm. I, I fully agree. But just to play the devil's advocate, don't make too many mistakes as well. True. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, moving on to something a bit more lighter. So what was the one thing you encountered during your whole, your entire tech career that you didn't expect? that you're like, okay, tech is going to be like this, or you had some uh, preconceived uh, notion that it's going to be like this, but it didn't turn out that way. Actually, on a good note, um, in my previous company, because I was so good at Python, I was asked by the CTO to actually do a project that would typically be done by data engineers or by software engineers. Um, So it was a database consolidation project where uh, we had one database that had uh, transactions flowing from different countries and we wanted to actually um, localize the databases which means that there would be different database regions for different re- uh, for different parts of the world and so for mm-hmm. analytics purposes and for finance settlement purposes uh, I would have to consolidate all of these data from different regions every hour and so it required like um, very very highly factored code It had to run within X number of minutes and it had to be flawless in the sense if there was a lot of data flowing in, the job should not fail, you know, things like that. And I'd never done um, a project like that ever because I wasn't doing technical stuff, um, like core technical stuff. Then it was always with respect to data insights. But then I quite liked the confidence that the, the CTO had on me and I was super excited to work on that. So I learned that. I, I think I spent 
most of my time doing that project and then testing it in my local, testing it in the test environment, and finally actually getting it out. And um, the kind of pride I felt after delivering that, I've never felt that kind of pride on 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 doing a piece of work till date, because it was a very difficult job. It was um, something out of the blue for me, and I realized that. Like in retrospect, when I think about it, I think these moments keep coming a lot in tech, where you'll have to put yourself in unfamiliar situations, but you have to get it done. You just have to get the work done. Uh, hopefully by hook and not by crook. Um, <laughs> and I think I think the the best part is that your solution has to be fail proof. It shouldn't fail, or if it fails, then there has to be a process that can actually be complemented or triggered to actually make sure it's it's not process failure. It has to be like a system failure. So anybody who wants to have a career in tech, uh, I would say just go with an open mind. Be comfortable to put yourself in unfamiliar situations, and basically never think that there's an option to fail. You just have to get the work done. Read, study, talk to people, get the work done. That's it. Yeah, yeah. When you when you when you say that, it reminds you of like how all the people in tech all salute or engineers they all salute Khan Academy because they always <laughs> every time they they hit a they, they hit a wall they will go to Khan Academy or YouTube and these are the they will say these are the real MVPs because I mean but that's I think you have to right I mean tech is so incredibly broad nowadays that uh you you it's almost impossible for a, a human brain to encompass all the languages and all the you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm not a t- tech expert myself, but all the difficulties with, with, with coding, right? So, so yeah. And I guess my, my last question is, uh, given that you are a shining example of women in tech, um, what would you do to remove these barriers to see more women in tech? I think the world is quite changing right now. Um, I see a lot more women uh, being really interested in tech. And they're trying to find their own place in this world, given that it's unfamiliar, it's out of the box, and you have to do a lot of like uh, keeping up with the trends to actually understand and be relevant in the industry. Uh, But I would say to the women in tech, if you feel like you have a flair for tech, don't be afraid to try it. Just go find yourself a mentor early on, preferably a woman, so that you can relate more and understand and try not to make the mistake that that person would have made. Um, and I would say, like, get started with confidence. The, the moment we are scared of something and we decide not to do it, that's when we fail. If we just think it's okay, uh, whatever happens, I'm going to get this done and go with that confidence and trust that there's going to be a system, there's going to be a, a, a people, a set of people to support you. Um, I think mm. there's nothing like it. Mm-mm-mm. I I I think you can uh you your future career if you ever want to move away from tech you can be a motivational speaker. <laughs> like, I feel so motivated after I was like even I want to be a woman in tech now. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding, but, you know. <laughs> thanks thanks for coming on for this podcast. Please let people know how they can find you or you know people or maybe they will look to you as a mentor. I don't know how how much time you have to to mentor other people, but uh please let people know how they can find you. Yeah, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just type out my full name, Abhinaya Hari, and just uh, feel free to reach out to me. And in case of, mm. um, you know, having questions about the tech world or about TikTok or about any any topics that we have in common, or even if you want to like reach out for a coffee or something, don't be shy. Just reach out to me. We can have a chat. 
and if you want to be mm. mentor i can definitely see what i can do yeah Mm, mm. Okay. Okay. And with that, uh, I think that that's the that's the interview. We are we are. I want to say we are running out of time, but that's a very traditional boomer way of talking. When you know TV programs at a set time, <laughs> but generally speaking, yeah, I mean we really hit the forty plus minute mark, and uh, there's really a lot of good content. I'm very happy to go and listen to it again. Uh, in in post, uh, edit and all that. So, thank you very much, Abi, for coming today. Thanks, Brian. Until next time, we can use this phrase instead. And that was the interview. I hope many of us can be inspired by her career trajectory, given her never give up attitude. I certainly was. New guest next week. Hope you're looking forward to it. This has been the Back to Biz School podcast. Bye for now.